0: message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know him and make him known. When I was a, a, a young child, uh, I had a couple of dreams about what I wanted to do with my life. First was to play for the Chicago Cubs. I wanted to play shortstop or pitch. I didn't care. I was, I was okay with either one. Um, one of the other things I always wanted to do was I wanted to be a fighter pilot, Right, I thought that was just the coolest thing. I think some of it came from my obsession with Star Wars. Right, there's yeah. lots, it's, it's not really, it's space, not airplane, I don't know, it, but it, it's all the same, all right? And the other one was, let me finish the whole thing before you jump to conclusions here, okay? Top Gun. Now, before you judge my parents, I saw the TBS edited version, which is like 20 minutes shorter than the, the original movie. Um, but I remember seeing that and it was just the coolest thing in the world. So I start reading on fighter pilots and and aviators and, and all this stuff and really cool. And one of the things that I always remember about some of the study was I was reading a guy who was a, a, a naval pilot and he used to land on aircraft carriers and if you know aircraft carriers, it's not like landing on flat ground. Like the aircraft carrier is going like this, and you're trying to land on top of this thing. But he was talking about landing on aircraft carriers at night and how it is nearly impossible. He said, listen, you want to know what it's like to try to land on an aircraft carrier at night. He said, go in your living room, get all the furniture out of the room, take a stamp, put it in the middle of the room. Now go to the doorway turn off the lights, put your hands behind your back, and try to dive and lick the stamp. (laughs) He said, that's what it's like to try to land on an aircraft carrier at night. I think this is also how it feels sometimes for us when we think about our Christian service. When we think about the way we serve in the kingdom of God. We know kind of what needs to be done. We have a general direction thought out. But if we're honest, approaching that feels like a shot in the dark. Like we are diving to lick a stamp. Last week, We talked about how ministry that is built on a foundation of the gospel perseveres for the church by proclaiming the truth in order to bring others to a more complete knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the big picture. That's what we do as the church. So in seeking clarity for our own lives, for your life and my life, we're left with a very obvious question. How do you and I do this in the ways God has called us to uniquely serve his kingdom and to serve his people? As we open Colossians 2, again, we're gonna see Paul continuing to talk about his ministry. And in verses one through seven, he's gonna give us three important aspects of Christian ministry. And we're gonna see how these inform our own personal service for Christ's sake, how we serve the way God has called us to serve in our lives. And that first aspect of service that Paul gives us is gonna come right in verse one, where he's gonna show us the purpose of our service. The purpose of our service. Colossians chapter two, starting verse one. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all those who have not seen me in person. Stop. What does this tell us about purpose? Well, last week in chapter one, verse 24, Paul talked about the the necessity of persevering through struggles for the sake of God's people. How, How in our ministry, we will struggle There will be opposition, but we need to persevere. And he kind of circles back on that here. But here he's talking about his drive for that perseverance. He says something, and I think I think very often when we read this passage, we we focus on one word too early. He says this. He says, "I am struggling." Right? I want you to know how greatly I am struggling. And, and a lot of times we read this passage and we start focusing on the struggle, right? He struggled, he struggled. It was hard for him. Well, what was the struggle that Paul was going through? I have no idea. He doesn't tell us. He doesn't give us any information here. Now, we can, we can look at the situation and say, well, it's likely regarding his imprisonment as a consequence of his faithful ministry of the gospel for the sake of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't tell us that. He just says, listen, I'm struggling. I think the important thing and the thing that we often miss is what he says next. Because he doesn't tell us how he's struggling, but he tells us why he's struggling. He says, I want you to know how greatly I'm struggling for you. He gets into the purpose. It's, it's not about his struggle. It's about who he's struggling for. And there's three groups of people. He says, I'm struggling for you, Colossians, church in Colossae. And then he says, Laodicea, which is the next big town near Colossae. Laodicea is about 11 miles from Colossae. Very close. Although in that day you're walking every area, so maybe it doesn't feel as close. And then he says, for all those who have not seen me. And what he does is he says, listen, I'm struggling for the church, for all the believers. And he does this in these concentric circles, right? He says, you right here, Laodicea right around you, and those who have not seen me, all the other believers outside of that. It's very similar to what Jesus tells his disciples in the book of Acts. If you remember in the book of Acts chapter one, one of the the last things Jesus says to his disciples, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses. And if you remember how this verse goes, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the city they're in, and all of Judea and Samaria, the surrounding country, and to the ends of the earth. Right? There's these concentric circles. And in fact, this almost same wording comes around in Acts chapter eight, verse one. After the stoning of Stephen, It says the church is scattered. And where does it say they were scattered? Throughout Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is a, a formula Paul uses. He's saying, listen, I struggle, I suffer for the church, for God's people. See, his ministry had a purpose. It wasn't about a task. It wasn't about specifically what he did is about his love for the Lord and his love for God's people. Right, the task that he did was important. Just like for us, the tasks we do are important. But they're only important because of who they are done for and who they are done in honor of. Our application here is really pretty simple. To so you and I, are called to serve others to the glory of God's kingdom. How? By loving people. By loving people. You want to know the purpose of your calling, of your mission, of how you're going to live out kingdom purposes? It comes back to the who. Who? Why are you doing this? Who is this done for? Is this done in love for God's people? You'll see another place where this happens in scripture. You go back to the book of Nehemiah. Remember we studied Nehemiah last year. And in Nehemiah chapter one, verse two, we get the opening of Nehemiah's ministry. And Nehemiah says, so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting back in the kingdom. He says, my brother I comes. It says, "Han and I, one of my brothers came with certain men from Judah and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile concerning Jerusalem. Now, here's where this is important. Because if you remember, we talked about this back then. Your Bible, your translation of the Bible may say that he asked about Jerusalem and the people of Israel. But the Hebrew text is very clear that Nehemiah asks first about God's people and then about the city of Jerusalem. The primary care, the primary concern was serving God and loving his people. He was gonna build the wall of Jerusalem. He was gonna protect the wall. He was gonna do that physical work, but it was done out of a love for God's people. So the question is, how do we identify and engage how God has called us to love his people, right? Because God's calling in our life is not about a task. There will be a task to do. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. But God is calling us to love his people. Well, how do we know how this works? How do we know who God has called us to love? Let me give you three questions to help you. If you're sitting here and you're like, I have no idea how to do this. I have no idea how this looks in my life. Let me give you three questions you can ask that can help you. And in fact, I'll give you three words. You don't even have to remember full questions. Just remember three words. Okay, and the first word is this, examine. Examine. And the question that goes along with this is this, are you all in with Jesus? This is where we start. Are you all in with Jesus? Is he more than just your fire insurance? Is he Lord of your life? That means when Jesus says, go, will you go? When Jesus says, stop, will you stop? When Jesus says, talk to that person, will you talk to that person? When Jesus says, not this person, will you turn away from this person? The question is, Are you all in with Jesus, whatever he says? If so, you're ready to go on to question number two. So the second word is this, pray. Now, some people will say, well, you should always start with prayer. I agree. We always start with prayer, right? But here, if you're not all in with Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're asking him. Because it doesn't matter what he tells you, you're not gonna do it anyway. So let's start and ask, are we all in? Then let's go in prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a clear picture. God, who do you want me to love uniquely? And Jesus, who do you want me to reach out to? God may give you the name of one person. And you know what? That's awesome. Start praying then about how you can love that one person the way Christ has loved you. God may give you the names of several people. That's awesome. Start praying about how you can love those several people the way Christ has loved you. But the whole thing is, if we say, yes, God, we're gonna go wherever you go. We're gonna do whatever you called us to do. Then we need to go to him and say, okay, what is that? And we go with confidence, knowing that God will speak to us. He will show us what we are to do. And that leads us to number three. Third word, go. You surprised that this is the, the, the last one? Go. Now start loving that person. Start loving that person. Because this has to be the motivation for whatever we do, right? The specifics of the task don't matter. That, that doesn't mean they're not important, but it means without love, they are useless. Without love, you can be the greatest person at whatever ministry you wanna do. And you know what? It's absolutely worthless. Because the question is, are we going to love? Are we loving the way Christ has loved us? Because this is the purpose of our service. So as we think about our own ministry and what God's called us to do no matter how clearly you have that in your mind or or how muddy that is in your thoughts right now are we moving forward are we seeking to grow and mature are we seeking for ways to serve God's kingdom by loving his people see Paul's purpose was clear it's just struggle for, to serve, to love the church. But how does he gauge success? He shows us in verses two through five where we see the goals of our service. Verses two through five, Paul, Paul has just said, listen, I struggle greatly for you, for Laodicea, and for those who have not seen me. Verse two, he says, I want their hearts. There here is the church, the believer's. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that may sound reasonable. For I may be absent in the body, but I am with you in spirit." rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. Okay, the goals of our service. First off, goals are different than purposes, right? Maybe. Goals are different than purposes. Purposes are a direction. We're, we're, trying, to, we're, we're trying to go there. Goals are destinations you hit along the way. Your purpose is is big picture. Your goals are those little things along the way. Paul's purpose was to serve the believers for God's glory, what he said in verse one. To do this, he seeks to prepare the the church to stand against false teachings and spiritual attacks from the world by standing firm in God's faith. If we start in, in verse two and three, and listen, we don't have time to pick through all of verse two and three. There's like eight sermon series in these two verses alone. So we do not have to, you don't want me to take all the time this morning to walk through each one of these completely. Okay, but let me, let me just show you the big picture of what he's doing there. When you read verses two and three, what you're gonna see is that Paul wants the church, all the believers <laughs> confidently united in the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus' salvation in the love of the Father by his word, right? Everything he's talking about here in verse two and three, right, Whether he's talking about being encouraged, being bound together in love, having complete understanding, knowledge, wisdom, and knowledge. He's talking about how the believers are united together. And what he's talking about here is not brain power. He's talking about faith power. He's not talking when he says knowledge and wisdom about them having some wealth of information in their head. He's talking about how they live out their faith, how they understand God's love, grace, and mercy, and how they pour that out into the lives of others. It's talking about a development of the depth of, of their faith. Why does he want that so badly for them? Why does he struggle for them in that? Again, so they can display their faith to others. Verse four and five, he says, here's how you display that faith. First, first with a stability in the faith, right? In verse four, he says, you need a stability in your faith. He says, I don't want you deceived by false teachers. And in a couple of weeks, we're gonna get more, deeply into that because he's going he's to pull that apart a little more as we get into chapter two. But, but what he's saying is, I want you to see through deception. I want your faith to be stable so that you see through deception, a stability of faith. And then he says, and you'll show this through a strength of faith. Verse 5. You read verse 5 again. He says, For I may be absent in the body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. He wants them to show this faith sustained by Christ's presence and no one else. He says, I may not be there with you, right? So don't do this work for me. I'm with you in spirit. Why? Because we're united in Christ, it is Christ's presence who gives you the strength of your faith. So Paul says, I want you encouraged and bound together. I want you to develop this faith so you can be stable and you can be strong. You know what Paul's really talking about here? Healthy habits. Healthy habits. You know how you go from somebody who's, who's not healthy to somebody who has a, a, a healthy lifestyle? It doesn't happen when you go, you know what? Starting today, I'm going to go 100% vegan. I'm going to run eight miles a day, and I'm not going to have any sugar at all. You know what happens when you make that that declaration to yourself? You last about a day. If you're really strong, you last a day. But you want to be a person with healthy habits, you you start small. You don't try to take on everything at once. You start with a 15-minute walk can walk for 15 minutes. Maybe after a couple of weeks of that, you say, you know what? I'm not going to eat sweets after 6 p.m. Okay, I can, I can do that. I can eat sweets the rest of the day, just not after 6, right? And slowly over time, you add more and you add more and you grow and you get stronger and you get healthier. But that happens because you had these goals along the way, right? You had that purpose, I wanna be healthier, but you needed those goals to help get you there one step at a time, one step at a time. In serving others, in loving others as Christ has loved us, we need good, specific, quality goals as well so that we can help others to stand stably and and strongly in the faith. So how do we do that? Well, again, I don't know how this is gonna work for you in the place God has called you to serve. But let me give you a couple of examples, right? Maybe you're called to share your faith with an unbelieving neighbor. Okay, so you go, I wanna share Jesus with them but I am terrified and I don't know where to start and I don't know what to do. And so that you sit at home and you, you get anxiety attacks about, well, I can't say anything because they may think I'm a hateful person and never want to talk to me again. And what happens? Nothing. So how do you do this? Start simple. Have you talked to them? Do you sit down and have coffee? Get to know them. Share a, a meal together. Build a relationship. And some of you are going to go, well, that's not really sharing the gospel. Yes, it is. Right, we're not saying that's where you stop. We're saying this is a goal along the way. Can you talk to people? Can you have a conversation with somebody? Sure you can. You can do that. That's not scary. Right, maybe at some point then you say, hey, would you ever want to come to church with me? Like i am meet you in the parking lot. We can walk in. You don't have to walk in by yourself. Like I'll walk you in. Like, what, what? Every study I've ever read says a vast majority of people, even your non-believing friends, if you ask them to church, they will probably come. Maybe not the week you ask them. It may take a few invitations, but most are willing to come. Maybe you get a chance to just go, hey, I know you're struggling. Man, I was struggling with something similar a couple of years ago. Here's what, here's what God told me in his word. there are simple little things along the way that we say, man, what are the goals? What, what gets us to where God is sending us? See, too, too often we wanna, we wanna skip right to the, right to the end game. You guys, God's calling me to share my, share my faith. I've gotta go right now with this tract in hand and know every verse of the Bible so that I can tell them exactly about Jesus. Have everything perfect. But we miss the fact that God has just called us to do all these little things along the way. Remember Abram in Genesis chapter 12? Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abram. He says, Abram, Abram, I want you to go to this place I'm gonna show you and I'm gonna bless the whole world through you. You know what Abram does next? go out and rent a giant venue to proclaim God's goodness and make sure that everyone gets, everybody in the world gets a piece of his wealth, right, so he's blessing them well. No. It says in Genesis chapter 12, verse five, it says, Abram took his wife, Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they came the land of Canaan, they settle. Does that sound like something that blesses the entire world? Wait, all he did was pick up and move. No, but that was the next step. That was that little thing along the way. Through his faithfulness and the faithfulness of those that follow him, you get from Abram to Jesus. The same family line. And Jesus is the blessing for the entire world. Took over over 4,000 years to get there. But that was enough for Abram. He took the next step. He followed faithfully through the goal. How will you and I faithfully progress through the work that God has called us to? How will we find those goals along the way? Okay, God, this is where you want me to go. How do, where do you want me to take the next step? And will we faithfully take that step? So we have a purpose. We have some goals. Well, what next? Well, next, Paul finishes this passage in verse six and seven, where he shows us the fruit of our service the fruit of our service. Verses six and seven says, so then, just as you have received Christ as Lord continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Now, these two verses serve as a bridge to the, the section and the passages that come after this. He says, listen, understand this, this calling, this service, and now I'm gonna tell you what, what comes next. But Paul says that that this happens, this bridge from what we know to what we do happens when we bear the fruit of the gospel message. Paul says, I see this happening in you as you bear the fruit of this gospel message that I have proclaimed to you. Again, there's there's... Something that happens here that I think we far too often gloss over. In verse six, he says, so then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. You know what the key word in that verse is? Continue. The key word in that verse is continue. Paul is encouraging the church to stay the course. He says, you're not living however you want to live. He says, you're living faithfully. That's good. That's great. You're on the right track. Now what do you do? Keep going. Stay faithful. Because he wants them to bear fruit. And to to show the fruit that they bear, he gives them three, three metaphors for the faith. He starts with an agricultural metaphor. He says, I want you to bear fruit, being rooted, right? Being rooted, this agricultural metaphor. And really, a lot of commentators think um, he's drawing upon uh, Psalm chapter, chapter one, verse three, where it's talking about the man who loves the Lord, who finds his joy, his hope, his salvation in the Lord. It says, um, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in the season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, right? A tree that feeds on the word of God will not wither. It will stand strong in the struggles of the faith. It will stand strong against whatever comes against it, right? He's talking here about a depth of faith, right? The the tree that draws its... It sinks its roots deep, stands strong, stands firm. Well, he moves on from there and he says, and then he gives him an, uh, an architectural metaphor. Right? He says, you're to be rooted. And then he says, and built up. Right? A building constructed by the Lord has strength against whatever tax and pressures the world and our enemy may bring against it. Right? So he says, there's a depth being rooted in the Lord. He says there's a strength of being built up in the Lord. And then he gives one more. He says, in being established, right? Think about things that are established. You know another word for things that are established? They are lasting. They're lasting. Paul says, listen, if you will continue to stay continue to walk with the Lord, you will be rooted. You will have depth. You will be built up. You'll have strength and you will be established. You'll have longevity in your walk with the Lord. See, we are called to serve the kingdom and to help other believers. Now this comes in a variety of ways, right? Maybe it's financial assistance. Maybe it's sitting down and having a conversation. Maybe it's inviting people into your home for a meal. Maybe it's serving through some ministry of the church. Maybe it's serving through some ministry uh, of the community. But no matter what God has called you to do, no matter who he has called you to love and how he has called you to serve them, we understand that we need to be a people who seek to follow Paul's example, loving God's people so that we see them bear this fruit of depth and strength and longevity. So let's ask ourselves, as we think about who God has called us to love, who God has called us to serve, how are we doing these things, right? Do we we feed the roots of others? Right? Are we looking for ways to help others encounter the truth of God's word and who he is? Are we starting that by accepting in our lives the full authority of Jesus Christ? In Galatians chapter two, verse 20, Paul says, right, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And what does that mean? That means... I'm not the master of my domain. I'm not the ruler and authority of my life. Jesus is. And as I surrender myself to the Lord, I learn to surrender myself to others. To joyfully do so as a reflection of how much God has loved me and how much Christ has sacrificed for me. It's an act of serving others, helping their sink their roots deeply is, is about showing them, pointing them to the, the perfect sustenance that comes only through Jesus Christ. So, so do we feed the roots of others? Do we guide others in building them up? Right? Are we a people who encourage others? Do we look for what people are doing really well and express our gratitude for them? Right? You want to build a relationship with somebody? You wanna find a way to build a relationship with somebody? Start by being grateful for who they are and what they do. Encourage them, build them up. Don't be a person of of sharp criticism who only wants to tell people how they're not good enough. You wanna build a relationship? Be an encourager. And as we build others up, as we encourage them. We get the opportunity to then show them the depth of God's love in our hearts. So do we feed the roots of others? Do we guide others in building them up? And third, will we help establish their faith for the long run? Right? Are, are, are we looking for ways to build up the faith of others so that they continue by encouraging, motivating, building up those around them. Rooted, built up, established. In other words, I just spent several minutes talking about that. Let me give you the short version now. In other words, the fruit of our ministry is found in how we point ourselves and others back to the love of our God the fruit of our ministry is found in how we live out the gospel, in how we understand God's incredible love for us, in how we see how his people turned away from him time and time and time again, just as you and I have, and just as you and I continue to do, in how we see that God is in in his infinite goodness and mercy, loves us anyway, and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born in a manger in Bethlehem so he could live perfectly, die sacrificially, rise victoriously to deliver us completely from our sin and from our wretchedness, not because of anything we've done, but because of who he is. Listen, if we understand that and every part of our life points back to that, we will be a people who are building up others, who are rooting, building up their roots, building up their faith and establishing them for the long run. But the question is, what fruit are we seeking along the way? Do we want others to be rooted, built up, and established? Do we truly desire to love them? Not the task, but love them. We all understand if you spent any time in church, if you spent any time reading your Bible, we all understand that the church is commissioned by God to work in the midst of the world in which we live. And we all probably recognize that if we've had any, even the slightest encounter with scripture, that we have been called to our own mission within the scope of that work. And yet... Many Christians pass from Sunday to Sunday without ever putting that call into action. And it's been my experience through my entire life that for most of us, the reason we don't put that into action is not a lack of desire. It's not even a lack of faith. Often it's just a sense of doubt in terms of, well, what is this supposed to look like in my life? I don't know where to start. We feel like we're diving at a stamp in the middle of the living room in the dark. Now, while I can't stand here today and tell you exactly what all of this will look like in your life and in God's calling for you today, because I'm not God and I'm not the one who has called you, I can tell you how to look at our lives and at our ministry and determine whether we're faithful in that calling. Because God-honoring ministry is built upon a foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it has a a purpose that comes back to loving and serving others. It's measured by goals that point those we've been called to serve back to Jesus and not to ourselves. And and it, it bears fruit that reflects the love, the grace, and the mercy of our heavenly Father. Church family, we are blessed to be servants of God's kingdom. We are blessed to be able to proclaim Jesus as our only means of salvation. We are blessed to be able to work under the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. May we rejoice in this blessing and may our rejoicing lead us to take the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. As we serve the Lord, as we serve others, as we love them as Christ has loved us, and as we grow in our faith in the process. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the gift and the blessing we have of being your children, of being able, as we say often, to be able to know you and love you and serve you with all of our hearts and with all of who we are. And we thank you that in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our frailty, in spite of our, lack of of being worthy of the calling you have given us, that you continue to love us and continue to, to build us up, to root us more deeply, to build us up more strongly, to establish us for the long run so that we might serve your kingdom by loving your people and being who you have called us to be. Lord, may we prepare to go today as your hands and feet shining the light of the gospel and taking your hope, your grace, your mercy, your love into the world around us. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you. And in your great and awesome name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.erieefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.